Okay, this week's parsha is parsha's bichu kaisa. Chazak, chazak, menis chazek. We'll quickly give just an overview of the parsha, and then we'll go through a few different shatim throughout the psukim. That's why we call it parsha poppers. Ah. Okay, an overview of the parsha. So the beginning of the parsha speaks about if you toil in Taira and keep Hashem's mitzvahs, if you're on Mel B'Taira, you're going to get tremendous blessings. We then have Chas going in reverse. And if people do not toil in Taira, they don't keep the Taira, they deny the Taira, etc. Horrible list of, of, of Telba courses well, before Klai Israel. The word Kerry comes up numerous times, which refers to people that look at things as just coincidental. They don't see God's message. Um, the also included in the Teichacha is Hashem's promise that even um, if things are terrible and we're in Golos and we're being punished and it looks like God forgot about us. It says, Hashem remembers us. He remembers the bris of Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov. So the Zechira of the Schus Avais is near in this week's Marisha. Hashem says, Loma Astim, Hashem never rejects us. He's never totally despised by us. Even when He punishes us, there's love and care, and one day he'll take us out of Golos. Um, the Pasuk then goes into um, the Hisvadu, doing tshuva. Erechen, which is donating people's value to the Beis HaMikdash, and redeeming Karbanas, or land that was donated to the Beis HaMikdash. And finally, a little bit about Meiser, and the final Pasuk of Sefer, Vayikra, is Eila HaMitzvahs, these are the mitzvahs, Nothing will ever be changed in the Torah, adjusted, no additions to our Torah that we got from Meshavinu. Okay, so that's an overview of the parsha. Let's begin the beginning of the parsha. Number one is an unbelievable Gevaldiga Medrash that says as follows In if you keep my chukim and you do my mitzvahs and you guard them, says the Medrash, all of these blessings, this Medrash says like this God's primary craft. What does God do? People say, what do you do? You know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, doctor, lawyer. Nobody says I'm a Jew. You know, like, what, what do you do? Right? What does God do? It says, umnus shali. Hashem says, my craft, my job is mishpat. Judgment. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound so good to us. We're not so excited about it. <laughs> Every single night, right? It says our neshama goes upstairs and is judged. The next morning is going to depend on what we did the day before. <laughs> it says at Tzaddik, before he goes to bed, every single day he goes to bed, he's supposed to do a little Cheshwar Nefesh, Svardim Zevidui, before they go to sleep at night. So God, what does he do? He judges. But Hashem says an amazing thing. If you guys judge yourselves, yeah, every day before you go to sleep, you do take stock of how your day went and how it could be improved. If you take on the judgment, Hashem says, you took over my craft. We're not having two pizza stores next door to each other. I'm not going to competition with you. And if you take over my job and you judge yourselves, I won't have to judge you. I could just do chesed for you instead. This is what the Medrash says on the first pasuk of this parasha. In and If you're on top of yourselves and you do the chukim, you do the chukim and the mishpatim, then I won't have to do it for you. Okay, let's go a little further. Pasuk says, I'm going to give rain in the proper time and the land will give its bounty and you can have so much each year of produce. You're going to be stocking up, you know, the new stuff and have to make room for it because the old stuff is still there. You can have so much. The Pasuk Vav, take a glance at Pasuk Vav. Pasuk Vav says you can have all these wonderful things. The Pasuk right before Vav says, You will settle in full security. Can you imagine? No more threat of Iran. 
no Hezbollah, no, no Lebanon, no, no East Bank, West Bank, who knows what. Nothing, no problems. And then the next passage says, shalom I will put peace in the land. Says the Ramban, what's that? It already says you're living in complete security. You're not worried about your enemies. Now what's peace in the land? Says the Ramban, amongst yourselves. Sometimes it's the toughest beast. You know, you want to fight with your business competition, you want to fight your neighbor. Okay, those things come and go. But fighting in the home, siblings, parents, whoo, that's the worst. Says that Kodesh Baruch if you keep the Torah and the Mitzvahs and you toil, say, I'm guaranteeing you all of these wonderful securities, including Shalom Baaretz, even within your own land, amongst each other, you're going to have Shalom. Veshbati Chaya, further in Pasuk Vav, I will get rid of Chaya Ram in Aretz. Bad animals! Bad animals I will get rid of from the land. So one shot is, yeah, foxes, gorillas, I don't know. Bad animals will get rid from Eretz Yisrael. Says the Ramban, there's another meaning to this as well. And this is the Nevuah about Mashiach's times. God's not going to get rid of bad animals. God's going to get rid of the badness of animals. The lion will become a vegetarian. And the fox and the hyena. All of these wild animals will suddenly become vegetarians. They'll all go vegan. No threat to humankind. That's going to be in Mashiach's times. It'll be a weird time. And the Ramban says this is how nature was originally. It says in the beginning of Parsh Barashas, it says, I'm giving the grass and the greenery for the animals to eat. That included all the animals. It says, Chaya Sasoda. For the Chayos as well. So you see that even the wild animals in the beginning of creation were vegan. They only were vegetarians. They didn't pounce upon, they didn't even pounce upon each other. They didn't even eat other animals. So this sounds like a utopian world that sounds like impossible. No, it was that way. And the world will go back to being that way when Mashiach comes. When did it change? Huh? When, when did it sinned. When Adam sinned. We're going to get to that in a second. I'll tell you an amazing thing. So the Pazza continues. Pazza Zion. You're going to chase your enemies and they're going to fall before you to the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. The proportions are off. Ellie, you're a mathematician. Five of you chase a hundred. Five of you chase a hundred. That's 20 times as much. Okay? And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. That's a hundred times as much. So is it 20 times as much or a hundred times as much? Says Rashi, I spoke about this in school a little bit. Says Rashi, when you have a group, five could do 20 times as much. A hundred? could do a hundred times as much. It's not proportional. It's not proportional. The more you have, it goes way beyond proportions. If one guy can lift, you know, a, a decree against the Jews, or whatever it is, a sickness, one guy's chus. So you can say two guys' chus could remove two decrees? No! They could remove three <laughs> decrees. And five guys could remove ten times more. The more people you have as a unit doing mitzvahs together have amazingly more capabilities of getting rid of our enemies. Another thing that says over here is strange. We just said that you can have peace and security in the land, yet the next passage says you're going to chase your enemies. I mean, I thought peace means sitting with a beer and popcorn watching a football game in your pajamas. Isn't that peace? We see from here, no. Peace does not necessarily mean death or half-death, sinking into a couch with a beer. <coughs> That's not peace. That's death. We like to just be, you know, 
half dead. That's laziness. Peace needs investment. And always, when it says before that Hashem, you're going to live in security in land, yeah, you're not going to be threatened by them, but you're going to have enemies because they represent evil in the world, and you're going to have a mitzvah to get rid of them. But that's peace. That's a peaceful war. It's strange. They're not attacking you, fighting you, you're living in security. But you can have a mitzvah to eradicate evil from the world. And that's peaceful. That's not a problem. Wiping out a malik is shalom. When Pinchas killed Cosby and Zimri, when they were doing Gilead Arias, hitting he knows in lies Brisi, shalom. Hashem gave Pinchas the, uh, a covenant of peace. And he became a Kohen Gadol, which represents shalom. Shalom doesn't mean doing nothing. Shalom means proactively producing a completion and perfection in the world. Let's go further. Okay. Pasuk says, um, Pasuk Yud Aleph. This is the final words of the bracha. I am Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim from being slaves over the earth. I will break the, the, the bars or the ropes of the yoke that's over your neck from the Goyim. I will raise you up. Now, how many psukim do we have a bracha? How many psukim do we have a bracha? 12. It's Pasuk Yud Gimel over here. 12. But it starts on Pasuk Gimel. We got 11 psukim. 11 psukim of bracha. Okay, just take a glance now. How many psukim of curse? We got Pasuk Yud Dalit. And it finishes. Um. Pasuk Mem Vav. Seven. 46 minus 14. Seven, Good guess. <laughs> 46 minus 14 is 32. Is it? 32 psukim, almost triple. 32 psukim of taichicha, of curses, of punishment. And, and only 11 psukim of bracha. To the naked eye, says, this is like a little unfair. You know? If everything's good, God's going to give us 11 blessings. 11 psukim of blessing. And if you're a bad boy, we'll beat you to a pulp. 32 psukim of curse. What on earth? Says the Evan Ezra on this pasuk. To those who have empty heads, reike mayach, empty brains, think there's more curse than blessing. But if you use your mind's eye and you read the psukim carefully, you notice there's a lot more blessing than curse. It's just that the blessings were stated in broad terms. You'll have peace. Peace includes a ton of things, right? You'll have harmony, you'll have security, you'll have good health. That includes tons of things. Good health. That means you won't have cancer, you won't have lung cancer, you won't have uh, brain cancer, you won't have... Health means a million things. But we just said you'll have health. You'll have parnasa. <laughs> wow, that covers a lot. You'll have peace. That covers a lot. The brachos were stated in a very general term. The klalos got very detailed, so it sounds like a lot. You'll have this sickness, that sickness, this sickness, that sickness. Well, the blessing was you won't have any sickness. Same thing. He says even more. There's more blessing than curse. And only an empty-headed person sees more curse than blessing. You see from here, it's a matter of perspective. How was your day today? Rotten. You know, that teacher. Blah, blah, blah. You know, how was your day today, my principal? Yeah, how was your day, my boss? You know, that business deal. One second. You made it home safe. You're still breathing. You don't have a tumor somewhere. Like, you had a great day. Because somebody nagged you a little bit. The teacher said, where's your titties? You know, like, oh, come on. Come on. That's a bad day. 
It's all a matter of perspective. An empty-minded person just will pick on one thing. We just had it with the parade. We went to the Israel, Israel Day Parade. Not that I'm saying it's good, it's bad. We went as part of the school. It happened to have been a nice thing to see that you had 22 blocks, I think. 22 blocks down Fifth Avenue. You didn't gathering all along the streets. Saluting Israel. Okay. Whether you believe in the ideology or not. Yet you didn't from all walks of life, religious, not religious. For you know, for a lot of these people, this is their one connection to Judaism. You know? Salute Israel. And you had one, maybe quarter of a block. We had a couple of Natura character guys screaming, you know, against the Zionists in Israel. And even smaller than the Natura character guys, there was like a group of maybe five or six Iranians, you know, screaming against Israel also. But what do you think makes the big news? Oh, there was an Israel Day parade today and there were a bunch of people, you know, protesting Israel. When you don't look deeply into something, what just pops out at your eye catches your attention. Fake news, right? It's so important. I remember as a, as a kid in high school, the big fight that the rebellion were fighting against then wasn't the internet, didn't exist yet. Wow, Rebbe's old, right? What was the fight? What was the fight? They were fighting television in elementary school, television, and college. That was the fight. High school boys going to college, learning based measures, post high school, go to base measures. That was the, that was the big fight in those days. There was no religious college in those days, and almost all colleges, you know, all taught you, you know, evolution and apicarsis. You know, like it, it was very, very, very liberal. So there didn't, re- there wasn't any real kosher vein to. That was the big fight. I remember, my rabbi once said, "Don't trust the numbers. Oh, if you go to college, you get a better salary." I never understood it. I never understood it. He said, look, the Satan was able to put a picture of Moshe Rabbeinu on his deathbed floating in the sky after Matan Torah, and the Jews did the ego because of it. Now you tell me, can you trust your eyes? You got to use your brains. And I thought about it many years later. 85% of people that come out of Harvard make six-digit six salaries. That's pretty nice. But hey, 85% of people that get into Harvard would have made six-digit salaries anyway. They might got to be very bright, extremely driven. <laughs> they would have made it anyway. So what do numbers mean? So you got to approach numbers properly. So you have somebody like Ellie Lif- uh, Lichtenstein, who's an actuary, who you have to learn how to touch up the numbers, how to define the numbers for them to have real meaning instead of fake meaning. Okay, so let's begin now. The Taika the, the, just introduce a little bit. The Medrash says, look how great the blessing is. It goes from Aleph to Tuf. Aleph to Tuf. Very complete from beginning to end. The first word of Bracha was, come on Avram, go back to the first Pasuk. First Pasuk, first word, first letter. Aleph. What's the last letter of the Bracha Pasuk Yagimel? The blessings <coughs> cover everything. It's complete. Aleph Tatas. What about the Klala? The Klala begins with the letter Vav. And depending what you consider the end of the Klala, there's two Midrashim. One says it ends with the Moshe, which is just a He. It goes from Vav to He. Pretty small, nothing. As a matter of fact, it goes in reverse. Like, God doesn't even want to do it to you. You know, I'm just like threatening you. But it's not really going to happen. From Vav to He. And others say it goes from Vav till Mem. Say the end, the end of the Torah is a drop earlier. 
um, by Gaul Nafsham or something, by one of the earlier Psukim. Um, so it goes from Vav to Mem. So says the Madras. Says the Madras. Bracha, when God gives Bracha, it's all the way. You don't limit it. You don't limit it. When you're giving, you've got to give all the way. And when, unfortunately, sometimes you have to hit, punish, consequence, yeah, just a little bit. How much money do we invest in rewarding the boys for coming to Shachos? A lot. What do I invest in that? Ooh, have an hour detention. Okay. <laughs> you got the consequence, the punishment is limited. The blessing has got to always, always flow. That's one thing. Another amazing thing, listen to this one. The Medrash tells us that if you follow wow, all this program, everything's going to be amazing. The Medrash says, when Klai Yisrael truly fulfills its mitzvot and toils in Torah like they're supposed to, the world's going to seem, it's going to be natural, but supernatural. It says, Chita, a kernel of wheat, is going to grow to be the size of a gluska of a loaf of bread. You know, like your chalabokalah from Shalashudas? The wheat kernels are going to be the size of your chalabokala. And some Talmud joked about this. What? And suddenly somebody came in and walked in and showed and in his field it grew. It existed. Not only did it exist, listen to this Ramami Panu. The Ramami Panu was a Rishon and a tremendous Kabbalist. And the Ramami Panu says, the word Chita is spelled Ches Tes Hey. Okay? He said, Chita is just a kernel. What do we use when we speak about a tree producing a full-fledged fruit? It's called chanata, when it blossoms. Fruits blossom. Vegetables and grains grow. Ah. Says the Ramami Panu, Chita used to have a different name to it. It used to be called chanata. Something that blossoms because a grain would grow to be about the size of a chalabokla. But when Adam Arishon sinned in Ganeiden, he did a chet, also ches, test, the same shorish of the word, chita and chet. When he did a sin, it removed the 50, the nun of chanata, the 50 levels of kedusha, and it shrunk to just being a chita. What happens to the world when we sin it's not a lightning bolt coming down from heaven to destroy. What happens is when we sin is, nature just slows down. It gets weaker. Our health systems get weaker. And that's why problems happen. We're not talking about supernatural punishments or crazy things. The brachos are natural. And they seem pretty supernatural. But it's supernatural. And the klalos as well. God doesn't just come out, boom, oh, a guy's sitting here, they can just drop dead, explode. That's not how it works. It's also part of nature. And when sin is there, it's almost like a pipeline of Kedusha comes down to the world, of influence, of positive energy. And when we sin, it squeezes it shut. And everything just comes down weak and slow. You know what I'm saying? Isn't the reason why, why, um, that does that because that's also true but that Kaddish Baruch in general he runs the world with nature Rabbi Rukh Levavit says nature is the way that God generally likes the world to run look it's been going on for 5,000 years right 
That's how God wants the world to run. Here and there, there's miraculous stories of exclusions to the rule. But what would you say is something you like better? Something that you do every day, or something you do just once in a while? Every day you have your routine. You get up, you, you go to work, you, you dive in, whatever it is. Because it's something exciting, 100%. But to shift from your daily schedule, do something abnormal. Would you call that your ratzon or not? Your ratzon is, in general, how your life looks. And here and there, you have exclusions to that rule. Miracles is not the way God runs the world. Even when Mashiach comes, it's just nature going back to its original strong self. <coughs> animals will, will be satisfied with being vegetarians. That's it. It's nature going back to the way it's supposed to be. So that's Hanata becoming a chita, and one day, Be'ezat Hashem, it'll go back to being Hanata, a full a full blossoming large loaf of bread. Okay, another thing. The first pasuk in the Taika called, Imlo Tishmu'uli, if you don't listen to me, says God. And Rashi goes through a seven-step spiral. It goes down and down and down. If you don't toil in Taira, you're not going to keep the mitzvahs. Then you're going to not like the people that do keep the mitzvahs. Then you're going to try to stop other people from doing mitzvahs. Then you're going to deny that God even gave the mitzvahs. And then you're going to go and deny the Torah itself. And you're going to deny Hashem himself. A horrible spiral downward. All starting from if you're not Later on, Rashi says, if you don't learn Torah, that's the beginning of the spiral. Seven steps. That's why it says later on, you're going to be punished sevenfold, just like your sin. Your sins were seven steps. You're going to have punishment, seven steps of punishment. But first Rashi says, if you don't toil in Torah. And then later Rashi just says, if you don't learn Torah. Says of Moshe Feinstein, if you don't toil, you know that style of learning, like, what'd you say, Rabbi? Oh, what line are we on? Yeah, I heard you. Yeah, I get it, you know. That style of learning, okay, it's something. I wouldn't say it's not a mitzvah, but that's not the primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah. The primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah is to focus, be engaged, and to get an in-depth understanding of it. And when you don't do that, it's, Almost, I mean, it's learning, it's still something. It's certainly better than nothing, but it's almost like you didn't learn at all. And that's why Rashi says, if you don't toil in Torah, then later on Rashi says, if you don't learn Torah at all. It really means the same thing. Okay, the Torah begins, and it's an amazing Gemara Masechus Tainus. It's describing the, also a Torah in Pesukim in the Navi, when the Navi threatens Klaeswell. And he says, Yerushalayim is going to be, we say in Eicha, Ke'almana, like a... Widow. What a sad description of Yishalayim. It says the Jews were like Kenida, like a woman who's tame for her husband. It says the Jews will be like a Kaneh, like a little flimsy um, reed being thrashed around in the water. It says the Jews are going to be nimnas, v'nivzeh. They're going to be derided and degraded by the Goyim. Different quotes from different Nevi'im. And the Gemara says each one of these were a bracha. We're going to be like Almana, but not Mamish and Almana. We're like apart from our husband at sea, but he's going to come back and get us. Kinida, we're like Anida, but Anida after two weeks comes back to her husband. 
We're going to be like this reed that's thrashed around in the sea, but a reed is soft. It always rebounds. It'll come back again. You're going to be derided and put down by the Goyim. They're not going to want you in their armies and in their police forces. You'll be free from that. The Gemara goes and twists each one of these pretty uh, wicked sounding curses and flips it into a bracha. And again, we see from here that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes and gives a consequence, it's out of love. And really deep down, it's a bracha for us. Gam, zu, latova. That's the bottom line. Even the taikacha can be looked upon as bracha, and it really depends on a person's, on a person's perspective. Uh, almost I'll cover a few more pieces quickly. The Pasuk says again, sevenfold for your Averus. So Rashi says the sevenfold of the seven steps down that a person sins. He doesn't toil in Torah. He doesn't listen to the mitzvahs. He starts not liking those that do it. There's another measure that says sevenfold. If you look at the Psukim that speak about these seven punishments, it says, V'im buchu you don't listen to. V'im adeila, you don't get the message. V'im tel kuimi bekeri, if you think it's all coincidence, and you don't get the message. V'im be'ila loitivrasu, if you don't get the musashmus. V'im bezos loitishmuru. A bunch of v'ims, and if, and if, and if. Says the Medrash, all of these seven levels of curse, for seven levels of not getting God's message, associated with another type of Avera, sevenfold. What is that? The Pesuk and the Torah that give us a warning, do not get involved with the hibby-jibby-widgy necromancers, magicians, stargazers, palmaries, all these weird stuff. Tamim tiyam Hashem be trusting and pure-hearted with God, trust that Hashem is going to take care of you, and that's it. And there's seven of those. Don't go to the ove. The ove was a certain type of way to get these dead bones to talk to them. Yidoni was a bird bone that they would put in their mouth or something in their underarm and it would speak to them. Ove, Yidoni, Chavar Kever was some kind of uh, magic thing that they were able to draw many animals to get them to, to come together. The Onain, people that use different signs in the times, good timing, like the... Like the um, Horoscope, Mechashev is Kishaf, black magic, and Dora Shalamashim are the people that try to consult dead people's souls to get information from them. All of these things also have to do with what if. People are worried. What if, what if, what if, what if. You have to get used to seeing God as the driver in a car and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. If you get into a car with an experienced driver, did you know red light, stop, <laughs> turn here, turn there? He knows what he's doing, I hope. And if he knows what he's doing, you're not nervous. You might not know where he's driving you. You don't know where he's going to lead you to. But he's in control and he knows what he's doing. That's how you have to feel with God. I don't know where my life's going to lead me. Good times ahead, trouble times ahead, bumps in the road, smooth riding. I don't know. But the driver knows what he's doing. He's okay. You don't have to be nervous. What, what, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then consult with all these different types of magic guys or whatever. Don't. Don't do that. Have bitachon in Hashem. Hashem knows what He's doing. He'll take care of you. In the end, everything is going to turn out right. Might be challenging. Might be hard. Might be difficult. God knows what He's doing. Take it easy. You don't have to be nervous. Don't be worried with all your vims because that's what comes out with the, these seven vims going down. Okay, a drop further. It says, "I will remember the bris of Yaakov, Yitzchak, and." Avram, in reverse order. Yeah. I remember the bris of Av Yaakov. 
God's going to remember the schus of Yaakov. What was special? Why is Yaakov mentioned first over here? Different shot in one shot. You ready for this? Who had the most kids? Yaakov. <laughs> Who has the most sorrows? The guy who's got the most kids. Gidel Bonham, raising kids. One of the biggest headaches in life. He's got a lot of knockers for us too. Sorry. Love it. Love you dearly. But raising kids, Tsar Gidel Bonham and Yaakov's kids. Yeah. The ten tribes and Yosef. Whoa. A lot of headache. Yaakov's Gidel Bonham puts him first on the list when Hashem is remembering his covenant for the schus of Klai Yisrael and Golis. Hashem's going to remember Yaakov because he had 12 kids, 12 headaches. Oh, Sargidal Bonim. Yaakov's mentioned first. By Yitzchak, it doesn't say I will remember him. It just says V'es Yitzchak because God doesn't need to remember Yitzchak. You know why? He's still in front of him. Yitzchak's ashes from Akedis Yitzchak is still there. What does it mean, the ashes? Different discussion. Some say there actually was some ashes. Yitzhak perhaps started dying before and burning even before Avram slaughtered him. The Malak stopped him from slaughtering him, but he was already put on the fire before Avram slaughtered him. And the Medrash also says he died. And he had to kiss amazing. And he was in Gan Eden for a few years recovering from the little slit that he had. And that's why he missed his mother's Leviah, because he was in Gan Eden. Then he came back. When he came back, all the angels made a bracha, Mechai Mason. And that's where we get a brachim Mechayim Esim Shmon Esrei. So Yaakov, Yitzchak is still there. His ashes are there in front of God. Hashem doesn't have to remember Yitzchak. And the last, Hashem remembers Avram. Save the best for last. I don't know if he saved the best for last. But there's a, a, a measure that says, in the end of days, what's going to be the schus that's going to take us out? Bechachismin. You know, we have a brachim Shmon Esrei, which we mentioned Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But we end the brachim, brachim to Hashem again. Avram! Why we end with him? The Hasidim say, because the end will be the schus of Avram, and that is chesed. We, we might lose our gedolim chasosholim to COVID. We might not have the great giants like we've had, the biggest tzaddikim. Who knows what? Is Yerida Sadurus? We could always bank on chesed to bring the geula, the karif, the meira, the meinu. Amen. 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 Amen.